Come on, come on. Good morning. Man and man, it's great to be here with all of you this morning. You know, it's Sunday. What does that mean, church? Sunday. It's absolutely our fun day. Fun day 2024. Here we come, right? Come on. Give it up for Jesus this morning. I love the fact we come together on Sunday mornings. We, can, we gather as his church. We, we worship him. We praise him. And we celebrate life change of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Man, we're all about Jesus in this place. Man, if you are new here, I hope you gather that. He's like, you're a guest with us this morning. Welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you are here. We hope that you were made to feel welcome and wanted when you came in today. And then you walk out those doors knowing how much God loves you through his son, Jesus Christ. We're all about Jesus and you knowing Jesus. And that points us to this light. Come on, church, this light. This light represents someone who accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So this light actually represents the last salvation for 2023. I had a young, young man, he's 10 years old, come up to me at our come and go communion uh, as the year's getting ready to turn. He gave his life to Christ uh, mid-December, but they went on a family vacation for Christmas, and he came back. The first thing he wanted to do is tell someone here that he accepted Jesus Christ. Come on. 10 years old. Life changed by Jesus. Absolutely amazing. We'll never get tired of celebrating life changed by Jesus Christ. That is 44 for 2023, and we're praying for bigger things and greater things in 2024. Come on, church, right? Come on. Love it, love it, love it. Good morning to you who are joining us online. We wish you were here today. We wish you were feeling the presence of God working here in your life. I pray that God speaks to you this morning through his word. Church, open your Bibles, your Bible apps, if you would, to Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 2. The book of Galatians, chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 2. We have the Old Testament, New Testament. Galatians is halfway through the New Testament. If you grab an orange Bible on the way in, you will find it on page 796. 796. By the way, if you grab an orange Bible on the way in, you do not have a Bible of your own, please take it. That is our gift to you. We desire for you to have a copy of God's Word in your hand. If you saw them and you don't have a Bible, grab one on your way out. Take one with you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. This morning, church, we continue in our series titled Reset. And that's what we're doing. We're taking advantage of the God-given opportunity as the year changes, as we flip the calendars over, looking for the new years, to, to look into our lives and determine if and where we need to hit the reset button to get things back on track where they need to be. Because truthfully, we probably have made some decisions throughout the year that have not turned out the way we want. We're like, okay, this is a great decision, but like, at, get the end of it, like, yeah, that was horrible, really messed up my life. Or we made a decision at the beginning of 2023, and it, we thought, like, okay, we're gonna, everything's good, but over time, we end up in a place we didn't want to be because that decision we made, we didn't know it then, compounded itself. And now we're dealing with some issues going into the new year. So whatever it may be, we have this opportunity that God has given us to take a look into our lives. And so to get this thing kicked off last week, I challenge us to walk through some questions, to walk through some questions and through five key areas of our lives. At first, I want you to say, what was true in 2023 in these five areas? I think you're on the screen now. You can see them. There, what was true spiritually, family, socially, physically, and work? What was true... And then I said, okay, what I want you to do is walk through these questions. What was great that I want to continue? 
What was great that I want to continue? What was bad that I want to change? So we all want a better life. So we know there's things in our life that we don't want to bring into this new year. So what was bad that I want to change? Listen, this was tough. If you actually spent time walking through it, this was a tough thing to do. I'm three quarters way through it myself, and I'm the one who wrote the message. Let me just show you that, okay? Um, you know, it, it's just one of the things we need to walk to. This idea for these first two questions, for us to look into our life at like a year at a view, look at these five key areas and identify to become self-aware what was working and what wasn't working and plot a course for change. But then I asked you to, to walk through a third question. What does God think is possible for my new year? What does God think is possible for my new year? And I think this is the most question of the three to ask um, because the first two questions are our assessment, right? There are assessment where our lives were and what, where we want to go. This next question, you know, brings back to this idea since, you know, the core of Christianity is Christ, right? The core, it's, his name's right there. Anybody miss it? It's Christianity, Christ, right? It's right there. It's imperative that if we actually want to change, that we consult him to know what he wants from us, what he desires from our lives, what he thinks is possible, what is he calling us to, what does he say needs to change in our lives? And there's that word again, change. See, no one, no one really likes change. We talked about that last week. You know, six letters that by themselves are no problem. But you take those six letters and you organize them into this little word called change, man. It just messes with our lives. We might not like it, but truly, change, man, that's the bread, of better, bread and butter of walking with Jesus. Think about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if as anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone and the new is here. Our walk with Jesus started with a massive change. Lost to found, dead to alive, old to new, right? Massive change. And that's because the invitation to Christianity isn't come as you are and stay that way forever. The invitation for Christianity is to come as you are and to be changed forever, Right? Changed forever by the transforming power and the love of God through his son, Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. The Christian walk is more than an invitation to leave behind our old ways and old self and pick up a new way and new self. It's more than an invitation. The Christian walk to change is a command. It's command by God, command by the one who saved our soul. And too many of God's children miss this. They think it's an option to change. But if you read scripture, it's very clear it's a command to change. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, walking through, become very prominent in Jerusalem before Jesus was coming on the scene. And look what he says in John chapter 3, verse 30. One of my favorite verses says, he must become greater, I must become less. That's change. John becoming less popular, Jesus becoming a scene, the focus is on him. Bring that to us. As Jesus becomes greater in our lives, right, we are becoming more like him and less like our old self. Friends, that is change, right? Yeah. What about Jesus? Jesus speaks his truth into our lives in John chapter 14. 
Look at this in verse 15. He says, if you love me, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. If you love me, what does he say? Keep my commands. Friends, obeying Jesus, well, keeping his commands is bringing change into our lives. When we obey Jesus, we keep his command, things are changing in our lives. That's what Jesus is calling us to as we walk with him. That is why we're walking through this series and why it's important for us to grasp. Because as we turn into this new year, we create our list, and maybe we made New Year's resolutions, and we start moving forward on our own power, our own strength, our own will, our own desire. Truly what we're going to be doing is we'll be only modifying our behaviors, never addressing the root of the problem. See, too often, that's how we approach the new year. We enter this statistic that everybody looks for this time of year that says over 43% of New Year's resolutions, resolutions fail within the first 30 days. Why? Because you're only doing it in your own strength. You're only addressing the behavioral issues. Change on our own. Listen, it's on the screen. Change on our own, never accessing the true power to change is destined to fail or only, only be behavioral change masking the internal problems, which is our hearts. Should I read that again? Change on our own, never accessing the true power to change is destined to fail or will only be addressing the behavioral issues, the surface stuff, masking the internal problem, which starts in our hearts. Now, that leads us to the book of Galatians. Galatians was written by a follower of Jesus. His name was Apostle Paul. Now, apostle, we hear the word apostle, like what does that mean? Apostle was a chosen messenger by Jesus to be a herald of the gospel message. And that's exactly what Paul did with his life. He was a herald for Jesus and the gospel message. It's Paul, one of the ways he did this, he wrote the book or a letter of Galatians. And he was writing to a bunch of churches that he planted in the Galatia area. He was, and what he was doing when he was writing the letter of Galatians, he was confronting false teachers and a false gospel that was entering the sanctified establishment called the church. People were believing things that were not true. People were teaching things that were not true. And what he was doing was challenging these followers of believers to say, okay, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to be a Christian. I mean, live it out in your daily lives. See, a large portion of the people that he was writing to had their lives and worldview shaped by the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, if you will. The law was given to God's people in the Old Testament, Israel, to govern their lives. It was to reveal God's holiness and man's inability to be perfect. Truthfully, the law was given the foreshadowing that we need the coming Messiah to sacrifice his love for his life once and all out of his love. False teachers were creating great confusion in this early church amongst the people. They were going around teaching this idea that it was Jesus plus. Jesus plus. Jesus, you have, to, you have to believe in Jesus and you have to keep the Old Testament law. You, it was Jesus plus works. I can have faith 
but I need to do these things, and that's what puts me in the right standing with God. And, and that's not grace, friends. That's junk. Well, you may be here this morning, and you may not know a lot about the Levitical law, the law of Moses, but I bet you can understand what it feels like to try and keep up with a grueling set of standards, right? Always feeling like you're not doing enough. Like there, there's something more that you should be moving towards. Knowing that you need to change and you're white knuckling it all the time, but you keep on coming up short, right? Is anybody with me on this? Maybe even as you consider your New Year's resolution, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it on my own strength and power because I'm going to keep this exhausting set of rules. So many of us are trying hard to do life on our own. We're striving to be a better person. We're striving to be a person who does not sin. We're striving to be more like Jesus and, and to be a better friend. We're trying to be more uh, a better parent. We're trying to be faithful at work. We're trying to keep up with our volunteering. We're trying to remember to brush our teeth, eat the blueberries, and drink those stinking kale shakes, smoothies, that those health nut freaks are telling us all over the socials. And you know what? It's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. But here's the thing. It doesn't need to be that way. See, God offers the transforming power we need to make the change in our life through the Holy Spirit. If we would just stop and connect to the power source, it would radically change what happens next in our lives. Listen, look at how Paul instructed this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. How he instructed the believers in Galatia to walk in the freedom and the change that God provides. Look at this. Verse 2. I would like to learn something, one thing from you. I love how this. I'd like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing in what you heard? Are you so foolish? After being in the beginning means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? This is what he's saying. These verses actually punch our do-good, try-hard efforts in the face. Did, you, did your salvation have anything to do with what you do? Did you receive the Spirit? I mean, did you, did you come to Christ because something that you did? Or did you come to Jesus because the truth that you heard and you surrendered to me the Lord of your life? Why are you so foolish to think that, that the Spirit brought the eternal life, that this life changed for you, that we should or could or would move forward into any kind of change we want in our lives by what we bring to the table? If the Holy Spirit changed us, Old, gone, new, here, dead, and alive. Why would we go to any other length to bring what we bring to the table and think like, yo, I can do this by myself? Point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, write it down. True change is only made possible through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. True change is only made possible through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is where hope explodes on the scene when it comes to our reset. This is where hope explodes. As God's children, 
Not only is it possible, but we have given the power to change. See, God desires for us to change, and he has given us the change agent. You know what I'm saying? He has given the change agent to be with us, to be in us, to make all the change possible. Here's what I mean. When we pray and we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we make him the Lord of our lives to follow him, he sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third part of our triune God, to live within us. And the Holy Spirit guides us in life. He convicts us of the sin in our life. He is the one who makes us feel really, really uncomfortable when we're doing or getting ready to do something that dishonors God in our lives. The Holy Spirit leads us in a process of change. And that process is called sanctification, friends. Sanctification, this is, I call it those big words sometimes when it comes to theology, theology I call them nerd words. Um, sanctification, this is what it is. Sanctification is the process of spiritual growth to become more like Jesus and less like the broken world and the broken self. To be sanctified is to be set apart, to be changed, to be different. And the Holy Spirit is given to us to walk through this process to continue to become more like Jesus and less like the world. Friends, we understand the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is unparalleled. Do me a favor. Go home today. Pick up your Bible. Church, say it with me. Read. Read your Bibles. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Read verse 19. Go to Romans chapter 8. Read verse 11. It tells us the same power, which is the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, resides in us as his children. Tell me you can comprehend that. But man, that should inspire us. That should fire us up. Just to lead us to the point where, like, man, I'm not going to go at this life changed by my own strength. I'm going to go by his strength. Man, I love going to the gym. I love working out. I love getting stronger. I'm nowhere near where, as strong as I was 30 years ago, but it feels really good. And every time I've, like, hit a, hit a PR and benching really hard, I got these big weights. I feel really good myself. This big dude just walks behind me. There's always someone bigger and stronger in the gym. Isn't how we approach this? Shall we approach this? We're going to do this change, this life change. I'm going to grace it all myself. And then we just turn around and say, oh, there's the big God. Right? He's right here, created everything. He raised Jesus Christ from the dead and he resides in me. Why am I not paying attention to him? Why am I not surrendering my change to him? <clears throat> but unfortunately, this truth is abused in the cultural Christianity that we have across our country. The truth of the power of the Holy Spirit um, is abused. In our country, we've made the power of God in our lives more about self than God. We made the power of God more about what we can do than rather how we live. We made the power of God more about the Holy Spirit is coming more about how we feel and making and touching all the emotions and, and, and all the feelies and touchies than him convicting us to change, to look more like Jesus. 
And that leads me to what I was sharing with you last week. Because we fail to understand. See, the scripture tells us, I'm sending the Holy Spirit in the world to convict the world of its sin. Conviction of sin tells us that there's changes to be made. But we live in this world and too many followers of Jesus, I shared last week, are doing this dance with God. We do this dance with our God and we, we have this desire, all that God has for us through Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, I love Jesus, baby. I want all that he brings in my life. But I also want all what the world has to offer and what it says is okay. We go through life living with one world in a spiritual connection with Jesus, and I mean one foot with Jesus and one foot acting just like the rest of the world. I mean, let's just think about this for a second. What we have dubbed as acceptable in our lives with Jesus fails in comparison to where God wants us to be and who he wants us to become. It fails. And the longer we live in this world and think we can go through life splitting, there's going to become a point. <laughs> there's going to come a point where it's no longer doable. And if I were to take one more step, I would crash. And you wonder why your world crashes. And my world crashes. Because we go through saying, I want all that Jesus become, gives for me, but I want all the benefits of what the world says is true as well. This is not the life that God has for us. This is not why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die a brutal death on the cross for us. This does not honor God. This life is not the Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? We talked about last week. Our lives are a living sacrifice. This is not it. And the longer we live in this world, think we can go through life and life and life, the more delusional we become thinking this is okay. We have to make a decision. Am I, am I gonna brace all the world says is good. All the things that the world says, it's okay, just accept them. Everybody's doing it, so it's got to be just what God wants us to do. Am I going to embrace all that? Or am I going to embrace everything that Jesus has for me? Am I going to embrace everything that Jesus has? By the way, this one is limited. The world and the flesh is limited. With Jesus is forever. We need to decide what we're going to do. Abuse or neglect of the Spirit's purpose and work on our lives does not lead to life change that God desires for his children. It does not bring him glory. It does not bring him all the honor that he deserves.
And if you ask me, that's a very terrifying place to be as a follower of Christ. Look at this, what it says in 2 Corinthians 3. 3, verse 17 and 18, it says, Now the Lord is what? The Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? And we all who are unveiled faces, unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being what? Into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. Who is the? The spirit of the living God. So see, we ignore the Holy Spirit. We put him over here by himself. The Holy Spirit is God. He resides in us, telling us, don't do change on your own. You can only do change through my strength and power of my leading. That's where it starts. Why? Because we're just going to do behavioral changes. We're going to do all the things that make us look good on the outside. But he don't. without Jesus, we're not addressing the heart issues. A few years ago, uh, author, pastor, preacher John Piper was sat down to have a conversation with a now in heaven author, pastor, preacher Tim Keller. And they talked through and walked through the importance of sanctification in the life of a believer. And what Tim Keller says is crazy convicting and absolutely scary. Look at this. You can see it on the screen. It says, you are, you're really saved by faith, not by how sanctified you are. But if you're not getting sanctified, then you don't have saving faith. You're saved by faith, right? Grace alone. You believe and you surrender. That is how you are saved. But when you are saved, you're called to be sanctified, become more like Jesus. If you're choosing not to, then maybe there's a chance that you're actually not saved. That's a gut check this morning. So what do we do? What do we do? Say that with me. What do we do? So let's say it again. That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Fast forward to chapter 5. In your Bibles, it's probably one page. Paul starts breaking it down like blues clues, leading us to a solution and what it looks forward in life. Look at chapter 5, verse 16. It says, so I say, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit which is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do whatever you want. Oh, my word. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Paul starts breaking it down, making it absolutely clear the desires of the flesh, desires of the world, stand in conflict to what the Holy Spirit and what it means to walk with Jesus. They're opposed to each other. They're not supposed to coexist in a life with someone who says they're following Jesus. They're like sitting there fighting. It says, okay, we have to choose which one we are going to live. We have to choose how we are going to move forward from this day forward. And then he throws in some examples of what was happening then and still happening now. There's not all of them, but some examples. Look at this in verse 19. 
He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Let me just stop there for a second. Obvious. Obvious meaning they're pretty simple to see. You can't miss what is truly the act of the flesh. It's right in front of your face. Look what he says. He goes on and says, sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live, live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who choose to live in these ways and others fail to follow the commands of Jesus might not have saving faith. Now friends, there is a difference. I think it's better for me to share this right now. There is a difference between being tempted and falling into sin. Because Romans 3.23 is very clear. We all sin. There is a difference between tempted and falling into sin and choosing to ignore Jesus and live in it. I don't want to hear that. You know, I don't want to be told what to do by Scripture. I don't want to be told what, how I should live by other followers of Jesus who love me. I, I, there's a difference. If we fall into it, or we choose to live in it. But what I love about God is he doesn't leave us here. He kind of threw it all out there, like, okay, we're just going to pull the rug out, we're going to expose the raw and the realness of what it means to follow me, and but then he's going to walk us through the pathway through the power of spirit to start moving our lives to become more like Jesus and less like the world. Look at this in verse 22. But the fruit of the what? Fruit of the what? The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified with its flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with what? Come on! We have crucified to the flesh. It means we have died to our old selves. We are called to live in the newness of Jesus, and we're called to walk in step with that Spirit that's inside of us. See, the fruit of the, Spirit's, the fruit of the Spirit is evidence of Jesus' work in our lives and becoming more like him. The fruit is a result of our pursuit of Jesus. We surrendered our lives to Jesus. We told him we're all in. Now it's time for us to cultivate that relationship. And the longer that we were with Jesus, the more fruit should be evident in our lives. Now again, this doesn't happen overnight. It's a process that we walk through. It's a process of growing. And when this is the object of truth in our life, when we say, I choose today, hit the reset button, I'm going to start rejecting God. I'm going to hate what God hates. I'm going to love what God loves. I'm going to pursue a life with Jesus. Man, our lives become a light, and the world starts to truly see that Jesus does change everything.
So, as you look at these nine, if you'd show me the next slide, I mean the nine, which one of these attributes, which one of these fruits of the Spirit will you intentionally cultivate this year, point two? Which one? You gotta start someone. Which one will you intentionally cultivate this year? I wanna challenge you this week, and along with myself, to pick one. Pick one of these fruit, right? And work, and listen, listen, listen. I use the word cultivate on purpose. Cultivate, not work on. Because if I said cultivate, it does, it's different than work on. If I say work on, then there's a good chance you're going to walk out those doors and say, man, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to go at this with my own strength. I'm going to go at this with my own power, my own wisdom, right? I'm going to work on it, baby, because that's what we do. We like to work on things. Pressing into Jesus and cultivating spiritual growth moves beyond our behaviors in life. It challenges and changes our hearts. And that's what cultivating does. It means to foster growth to improve by labor, to care for, or to study. It's preparing the soil to make room for, for what God wants to do, right? You, you say, if you, I don't know anything about planting anything because I have plants in my office that are dying right now, right? Uh, cultivating, you put the things in there. You're supposed to water them. You protect them. You give them some light. You do all this work to create good soil for growth, right? When you do have plants in your house, that's what happens. And that's what we need to do with our walk with Jesus, we need to cultivate the soil of our life. Like, listen, listen, we can't do the growth. We can't tell ourselves, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be. No, no. We create the atmosphere in our life to God to do it. It's God who causes the increase. It's God who creates the spiritual growth. It's God who makes us more like him and less like the world. We just need to get the things ready for him to work. And this year, I want, this weekend or this year, I want you to be working on one. Working on one, maybe two. What is the fruit of the Spirit that you're going to cultivate? Get the soil of your life ready. Hitting that reset button. Saying, okay, I am no longer going to face this world and on my own strength. I'm going to walk it through with Jesus' strength, the Holy Spirit of God in me. This only happens if you have a life with Jesus. I know there's some in this room who don't. You've been seeking, you've been looking, you've been praying, you've been hearing about this Jesus. It starts with you giving your life to Christ. That's the beginning of forever with you. So the way to keep it is in front of you this next week or the next month or the next six months, whatever it may be, we have created lock screens images to put on your phone. If you can show me the first three. These are going to be posted on our, on our Facebook page later at 1230. They should be up there. You can grab one, put it on your lock screen. Love, joy, peace. Let's see the next few. Forbearance, goodness, kindness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can grab one of these, put it on your phone as an everyday reminder, this is the area of my life I want to cultivate for Jesus. I want rich soil for God to produce the growth in my life that he desires. Now, when you walk out today, you will also receive this sheet that walks through the fruit of the Spirit. So you can see what it is. Every single one of them are here. Walks through, describes what they are. They give a few passages so you can go read them. Read the Bible, right? So you can understand what you're committing to. But you got to choose start somewhere. And I say start here. And then come back next week and we're going to talk about the pathway to change and how God has laid out before us the necessary tools in our lives to see the changes we truly want. You with me on that, church? All right. It's time to hit the reset. What are you going to do? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace in our lives. We thank you for your word of truth revealing to us this morning that true change is by nothing that we can do on our own. We may do good and try hard and we'll eventually fail. And we'll do good and try hard and we'll fail again. And we'll try even harder and fail a third time and sometime we just won't, we'll stop trying and we're just going to fake it. You desire a life of full surrender. You desire for us to cultivate the soil before us so you can cause the increase. You can grow us. Be more like your son. And God, I pray for those in this room who don't have you as their Lord and Savior. They're wanting to have a better life. We talked about that last week. Lord God, you know, no one ever says, man, I wish my life was worse. But they want the better life, and and it starts with Jesus. Jesus very clearly says, the thief comes to steal and destroy, but I have come to give him life and life abundantly. So right now I ask our prayer teams to come forward, and if you're in this room and you do not have that relationship with Jesus Christ and you want to start that newness of life this morning, come forward and pray with our prayer team come forward and and talk to them. Say, listen, okay, I've heard it all. I don't understand it all, but I know where I need to start. I need Jesus in my life. I want to be with him for all eternity. I want to walk through this newness in life with him. Come forward and talk to our prayer team and surrender your life to the King of Kings. And maybe you're here this morning and you have given your life to Jesus. But some of the things I've talked about this morning hit a nerve with, I didn't talk about Jesus. He's the one in charge. And maybe, maybe you are saying, okay, I have this thing in my life. Man, I want to get it out of my life. It's not who I want to be, and that's who God doesn't want me to be. I've been choosing, I've been fighting, I'm doing it on my own. I've been choosing, I just need to give it to Jesus. Come forward and talk to our prayer team. Do not walk out those doors until you come up and surrender it to Jesus Christ. Because just as we give our life to Jesus the first time, We come to him, we have a newness of life, we're all his. Every single day when our feet hit the ground, we need to choose to pick up the cross and follow him. 
We don't lose our salvation. It's a choice to live for him every single day. And maybe that's what you need to work today. Come forward and pray with our prayer team. Father, I just pray right now for all those who are struggling, fighting life on their own, that they realize they need you. Whatever it takes, Lord, call them to yourself, call us in newness with you and walk with you. Thank you for being real and raw. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. God bless, church. Have an amazing week.